Today's show brought to you by Redcon1.com. That's right. Click the link at the bottom of the podcast app in which you are listening to this on. Check them out. Use promo code T20 Quartermus. That's right. Redcon1.com. All right, guys, and welcome to <coughs> Don't Tread on America. I'm your host, Don Q, coming to you from the DTOM studios in the free state of Florida, sponsored by Maker's Mark Bourbon. That's right. How's it going? It's Monday, June 5th, 2022. How's everybody doing out there today? Got a, got a lot of stuff that I want to get off my mind today. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, with that being said, I want to keep this show under an hour. So I'm going to hit you with some interesting things that are on my mind. And barring any time towards the end, we'll get into some more crap. But if not, then I'll save that crap for Wednesday. So there you go. So something before I get into the stories, what, what I want to talk to you guys about is real quick. Please, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, whether it be Apple, Podbeam, Spotify, you know what you're listening to this on. If there is a place for you to give us a review and or a five-star rating, please do so. Um, it really helps out a lot. But what even helps out more is if you subscribe to the show. That way you'll get the updates. If, if I'm unable to be consistent with my Monday, Wednesday, Friday if it's a Sunday or whatever the case may be, you'll get a notice saying another D-Tom show is ready, blah, 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 whatever. And then furthermore, if you can follow us on social media, if you're on any of these platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Don't Tread on America. If you're on uh, Twitter, that's D-Tom underscore 1775. Check us out there and uh, follow the page. Uh, and also, we have a website that is uh, don'ttreadonamerica.com. So enough about me. Let's talk about me. No. Let's talk about the the situation that this country's in and the things that are happening. So um, as a plane rushes over the top of my house here, that's beautiful. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> so I had a thought. Does anyone know exactly how the French Revolution started? So... I was having a conversation with Chris today and we were discussing the ever increasing gas prices like this past week and even today, every single day this past week, gas went up something, whether it was a penny, a nickel, a dime, whatever it was, every day this past week, gas hit a new record high. So he says, you know, this was Chris saying this. He goes, I thought of all the things going on in this country that the one thing that would get the people riled up enough would have been paying $4 for gas. Well, now it's almost $5, and here we sit. Now, say what you want, global warming, climate control, we need to get off of fossil fuels, okay, whatever. This country, this world, has been dominated by fossil fuels of some sort for hundreds of years. 
Now, you might be thinking to yourself, you're a fucking idiot, Don. Uh, gasoline engines have only been around for a little more than 100 years. It's not what I'm saying. Fossil fuels, that's coal, those types of things. So trains back in the day, back in the Wild West and when we had trains, well, they, those were steam engines. Okay, how in the fuck do you think they heated the steam? A lot of those engines were coal-fired. You're burning fossil fuels. Also, in those days, you used kerosene lamps. You burnt kerosene. You've, we've used fossil fuels. When we talk as a country about fossil fuels, everyone automatically goes to cars. Cars are the worst. But this world, and I, I don't want to say America, this world has been burning fossil fuels for hundreds of years. So you cannot flip a switch and say this is how it's going to be. And furthermore, the idiocracy of this country and, and the people that run it. And now granted, I'm no Harvard law degree master, blah, 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 you know, 20,000 years of college or nothing like that. But common sense tells you this. When I hear people saying anything, if anything comes out of a person's mouth and, the, and it has anything with, to them to do with me buying an electric car, forget about the cost. Forget about you saying, well, just go buy an electric car. Okay, yeah, I could go trade in my car. It's worth enough money. I could go trade in my car and buy an electric car of some sort, right? They're, they're relatively depending on what model, brand, whatever, cheap enough that you could do that and get a whatever electric vehicle. But last time I checked, because I get an electric bill every month, the last time I checked, electricity wasn't free. Most electric companies in this country, and I would even assume to say in the world, a majority of those are run off of fossil fuels coal, et cetera, et cetera, natural gas, whatever. We're too afraid to use nuclear, you know, in overabundance, which would be the cleanest way to do it. But irregardless, I'm supposed to buy an electric car, which they mine the batteries or the, the stuff to make the batteries. They strip the shit out of, you know, countries in the the Middle East and in Africa and stuff for the lithium and stuff for these batteries. That's not hurting the environment. Not to mention the batteries don't last forever. So once the batteries extend their life and you have to get rid of them, where do they go? Into a landfill? I mean, that's good for the environment. And then thirdly, electricity. I have to charge the car. So I'm going to plug it in at the house after I had to pay an extra ten grand for the vehicle that I just bought to have a power station put into my house to be able to adapt and charge the car, now my electricity bill is going to go up. So where is the the saving of the planet? Where is the, you know, oh, well, that's when you need to get off of, you know, we need to have wind power and solar power. Okay, it's easier said than done. Okay, you're not going to flip a switch and do these things. So, the French Revolution, so for, for lack of uh, going into incredible detail, I'm going to tell you a story in 17, no. So, most people can equate 
the French Revolution to Louis the Fourteenth, Marie Antoinette, you know, the whole let them eat cake, right? So the French Revolution was an event in modern European history that began in 1789 and ended in late uh, 1790 with the ascent of Napoleon, right? During this period, French citizens raised and redesigned their country's political landscape. Now, I'm going to take a pause right here real quick. The reason I'm reading this is listen to what happened in France during this time that got the people of France riled up. So at the time, Louis XIV was king. Marie Antoinette was his wife. So it's interesting to understand what got people riled up in France during this time, similar to what happened in this country around the same time that got the, the revolutionaries, the colonists in this country, riled up so um they redesigned their country's political landscape uprooting centuries-old institutions such as absolute monarchy and the feudal system the upheaval was caused by widespread dis uh discontent with the french monarchy monarch blah 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 monarchy and the poor and economic policies of king louis the 14th who met his death by guillotine as did his wife marie antoinette Although it failed to achieve all its goals at the time, degenerated into chaotic bloodbath, the French Revolution played a critical role in shaping modern nations by showing the world the power inherent in the world and the will of the people. So the causes of the French Revolution. So as of the 18th century drew to a close, France's costly involvement in the American Revolution and extravagant spending by King Louis XIV and his predecessors had left the country on the brink of bankruptcy. So how, what does that mean? So back then, France, costly involvement in the American Revolution. Okay, America's costly involvement in everyone else's fucking business around this world. Middle East, Ukraine, you know, name it, right? We're giving money out to all these countries we're involved in, we're putting troops, we're leaving equipment in Afghanistan, whatever you want to say. And extravagant spending, extravagant spending by King Louis the Fourteenth and his predecessors. We see extravagant, extravagant spending in this country by giving money to its citizens to stay at home because of the cold, giving uh, countries that don't deserve money money, giving arms away to country. I mean that shit costs money. We're just spending, spending, spending. Our, our national debt in this country has gone up, you know, a hundred times in the, with the past four presidents. You know, and I'm not saying this is all Biden's fault. I'm not blaming Biden. This is all of them. I mean, Trump's, a lot of his had to do because of COVID and we handed out money because the country was closed down and people needed to live their life. And that was a lot of it. But I'm not saying it was all because of COVID either. We as a country have are, are have become accustomed to just giving out money like we're you know a rich uncle. I don't know about you, but when you're in debt, it's hard for you to give money out. If you were ten thousand dollars in the hole, like if your bank account said ten thousand dollars negative, who are you giving money to? How are you getting money to give money? No, you just print it. it causes inflation. 
So not only will the rural coffers depleted, but two decades of poor harvest, drought, cattle disease, and skyrocketing bread prices had uh, kindled unrest among peasants and the urban poor. Okay, so let's bring it back to, to today. We're seeing food shortages. We're seeing uh, food processing plants mysteriously catching on fire and we're having to kill chickens because they've got some sort of disease. Uh, our harvests are bad. We're paying farmers to dig up their harvest. We're seeing the price of everything that you can possibly buy doubling and tripling. And granted, you know, and had uh, kindled unrest amongst peasants and urban poor, well, that would be your middle and lower class here. Many expressed their desperation and resentment toward the regime that imposed heavy taxes, yet failed to provide any relief by rioting and looting and striking. In the fall of 1786, Louis XIV's controller general, Charles Alexander de Cologne, proposed a financial reform package that included a universal land tax from which the privileged class would no longer be exempt. So what does that sound like? The 1% needs to pay their fair share. Corporate tax rate needs to go up. We need to, you know, everyone needs to pay their fair share. Or 1% doesn't pay anything, blah, blah, blah. Okay. To garner support for these measures and forestall a growing aristotic revolt, the king summoned the estates general and assembly representing Francis, Francis, clergy, nobility, and middle class for the first time since 1614. The meeting was scheduled for May 5th, 1789. In the meantime, delegates from the three states from each locality would compile a list of grievances to present to the king. Um, so the rise of the third estate, Francis' population had changed considerably in 1614. Um, or I'm sorry, since 1614, a non Aristotic members of the third estate now represented 98% of the people but could still be outvoted by the other two bodies. In the lead up to May 5th meeting, the third estate began to mobilize support um, for equal representation and the abolishment of the noble veto. In other words, they wanted voting by head, not by status. So, <clears throat> similar to what we see nowadays, we see voting we see are the people that we place to represent us whether it's your congressmen your senators your presidents we we entrust that we're voting for the right person that's going to do the right thing for us and for example i'm going to talk to biden voters out there if you happen to be listening to this there's not one person that in their heart of hearts, well, I shouldn't even say this because there obviously is 30% of the people that still think Biden's doing a knock-up job. But, I mean, really, how can you go to the grocery store, to Walmart, to the gas station, and it's all, it revolves around gas because that makes the world go round. The food, the prices in the grocery store... The prices at your Walmart, your Walgreens, your Target, wherever you go, those prices have increased due to, I don't want to say it's all due to gas, but a lot of it has to do with the rising cost of gas, diesel, whatever. 
Granted, supply chain issues are still an issue, but that has a lot to do with it. It's not a prices are going up because of supply and demand. That was more towards the end of COVID. That was more towards the end of last year, um, the fall of last year, when we were talking about food shortages. And we were talking about these things going to happen. Now they're starting to happen. Yeah, I say starting to happen. This isn't it. This is the beginning. I said this six, seven months ago. Actually, it was before Thanksgiving last year. I was talking about it. It was around October. And was warning you all, if you recall, if you're a longtime listener to the show, if you recall back in the fall of last year, I told you, you might as well start buying your Thanksgiving dinner now. And people are probably like, that's a month away. It's two months away. I wasn't wrong. <laughs> I would even venture to tell you this now in June. You might want to start looking if you like to have green beans and those things that are going to last for the next six months. You know, green beans, your, your you know, whatever the ingredients are you need to make your uh, green bean casseroles and your vegetables. And, you know, if you use box, you know, like stovetop stuffing, those things have pretty good shelf dates. You might want to start buying that stuff while it's relatively cheap and plentiful, whereas waiting till the week or two prior to Thanksgiving, you're going to be out of luck. I know it's crazy. It's 100 degrees outside. And here I'm talking about buying fucking Thanksgiving dinner, but I'm just telling y'all. So anyway, we entrust that we vote for these people. So so many people, let's, let's assume just for shits and giggles that the election was legit, okay? Biden won fair and square. But for sake of argument, we're, we're going to say that. The 80-whatever-million people that voted for Biden, let's say a third of them voted for him because Trump's bad, we don't want him, he's crazy. Not that you necessarily wanted Biden, but you felt that he was better than Trump. I guarantee you those, you know, 24, uh, 24 million, whatever that number is, are kicking themselves in the ass every time they go to the gas pump or the grocery store. And then I would even venture a guess that another third is like, this is some bullshit. We thought this guy was the guy. Now, Chris was telling me about a poll <laughs> that was taken last week. I can't remember who he said it was from Harvard or something. And uh, said that uh, Harris, uh, if Harris and uh, DeSantis were to run, run for president, she would win. I'm like, is she even still around? Is she even still VP? I, I haven't seen hide no hair of her in months. But nonetheless. <clears throat> so we entrust that we're voting for these people to, for our best interest. Now, back in these days, you had your the what they called the third estate, which was kind of like your commoners. Um, even though they were a third, they could still be outvoted by the other two. So you had two thirds. So... In the lead-up to the May 5th meeting, the third estate began to mobilize support for equal representation and the abolishment of the noble veto. While all of the orders shared a common desire for fiscal and judicial reform, as well as more representative form of government, the nobles in particular were loath to give up the privileges they enjoyed under a traditional system. So... <clears throat> There was, let's see, by the time a state general convened in Versailles, 
The highly public debate over the voting process had erupted in a hostility between the three orders, eclipsing the original propose of the meeting and the authority of the man who convened it. On June 17th, the talks over procedure stalled. The third estate met alone with formally adopted the title of National Assembly three days later. They met, they met in a nearby tennis court and took the so-called tennis court oath, vowing not to disperse until constitutional reform had been achieved. Within a week, most of the cler clerical deputies of the 47 liberal nobles had joined them. On June 27th, Louis XIV uh, grudgingly absorbed all three orders into a new assembly. The Bastille and Great Fear on June 12th, the National Assembly, known as the Constitu Constituent Assembly during its work on Constitution, continued to meet at Versailles. Fear and violence consumed the capital. Though enthusiastic about a recent breakdown of royal power, uh, Parisians grew panicked as rumors of impending military coup began to circulate. A proper insurgency culminated on July 14th when rioters stormed the Bastille fortress in an attempt to secure gunpowder we weapons. Many considered this event now commemorated in France as a national holiday, as Bastille Day, as the start of the French Revolution. So you had a series of events leading up to this that the, the commoners were being taken advantage of over the, the crazy spending of its government, which at the time was a, was a king and a queen. And um, they were hungry. They were starving. There was no food. It's, it's, in my opinion, it's not necessarily the job of the government to feed its people, but it is the job of the government to enable people to be able to feed themselves, if that makes any sense. I don't think that you should be rationed food and handed out food. I think, though, you should be given the opportunity to live your life and get your food, whether you grow it yourself, you buy it at the store, whatever the case may be. So... It's funny, the things that you see on TikTok, but there are a lot of folks that live in Australia constantly saying how Americans are pussies, and I have to agree. We as Americans, and I don't care you know, which side of the aisle you're on, this tyrannical government of ours is ever so steadily chipping away at our freedoms, whether it be speech, guns, voting, you name it, they're working on it. Whereas in Australia... You know, they took their right to bear arms back in 1996. And since this happened, our government has been chomping at the bit to do the same here. So, in 1996, the Australian gun confiscation happened. Now, for those of you that don't know, what happened is they took all their guns. And that's it now. So, <clears throat> there was a there was an incident in uh, Australia in a place in Australia. I'm trying to find it real quick. Um, okay, so there was a... It was a gun confiscation program rushed through the Australian pol par Parliament just 12 days after a 28-year-old man killed 35 people with a semi-automatic rifle in the Tasmanian city of Port Arthur. So... <clears throat> Without going into the specifics of the situation, you had a guy, 28 years old, 
Port Arthur um, killed 35 people, right? So within two weeks of that incident, they drew up a plan to steal, not steal, <laughs> not steal, to take everyone's guns in the country. Now, why haven't they been able to do that here? Well, it has everything to do with our Constitution. You guys <clears throat> that are constantly against our Constitution and you want to you want to claim the Constitution does this and doesn't do that and does this and you can get an abortion. It's in the Constitution. No, it's not. Um, just because it says right to bear arms doesn't mean you have to have 20 guns. And to, People interpret the Constitution how they feel like they want to. So in this particular story where the, uh, they discussed the, uh, the shooting in Australia that led to the confiscation of, of the guns, um, this was, there was a shooting in um, Yumpiqua Co uh, Community College in Oregon. So this story is from 2015. Okay, so... and. The interesting, thing, the interesting thing about this shooting, and I'm not going to go into the details of the shooting because it's inconsequential. The only reason I'm even talking about this particular thing is the speech that Obama gave. Now, I want you to listen. I'm going to let this play for a few minutes because he references Australia and whatnot. That's why I want you. But listen to what he says leading up to the Australia situation here because I think it's extremely interesting. It cannot be this easy for somebody who wants to inflict harm on other people to get his or her hands on a gun. And what's become routine, of course, is the response of those who oppose any kind of common sense gun legislation. Right now, I can imagine the press release is being cranked out. We need more guns, they'll argue. Fewer gun safety laws. Does anybody really believe that? There are scores of responsible gun owners in this country. They know that's not true. We know because of the polling that says the majority of Americans understand we should be changing these laws, including the majority of responsible, law-abiding gun owners. All right. I'm going to stop it there because I want to go to uh, President Poopy Pants and hear what he has to say. More kids. And on-duty cops killed by guns. So this was his speech from More the other kids day. and soldiers killed by guns. For God's sake, how much more carnage are we willing to accept? How many more innocent American lives must be taken before we say enough, enough? I know that we can't prevent every tragedy, but here's what I believe we have to do. Here's what the overwhelming majority of American people believe we must do. Here's what the families in Buffalo and Uvalde in Texas told us we must do. We need to ban assault weapons in high-capacity magazines. And if we can't ban assault weapons, then we should raise the age to purchase them from 18 to 21. Strengthen background checks. So, <clears throat> similar wording. So let's go back to Obama. There is a gun for roughly every man, woman, and child in America. Sugar water. So how can you, with a straight face, make the argument that more guns will make us safer? 
we know that states with the most gun laws tend to have the fewest gun deaths. It's not true. So the notion that gun laws don't work or just will make it what's interesting is he's talking this is in 2015 and criminals will still get their guns he's it's talking about by the evidence more states there's states that have more gun laws have less shootings so that would be new york illinois california washington michigan okay look at the shootings in those states it might not be a state thing. The whole state might not be an issue, but Chicago, New York, L.A., Seattle, Detroit. Look at the stats. We know that other countries in response to one mass shooting have been able to craft laws that almost eliminate mass shootings. Friends of ours, allies of ours, Great Britain, Australia, countries like ours. So we know there are ways to prevent it. And of course, what's also routine is that somebody somewhere will comment and say, Obama politicized this issue. Well, this is something we should politicize. It is relevant to our common life together, to the body politic. I would ask news organizations, because I won't put these facts forward, have news organizations tally up the number of Americans who've been killed through terrorist attacks over the last decade and the number of Americans who've been killed by gun violence and post those side by side on your news reports. This won't be information coming from me, it will be coming from you. We spend over a trillion- I, I hate the awkward pauses. Get to the fucking point, dude. Come on. And pass countless laws and devote entire agencies to preventing terrorist attacks on our soil, and rightfully so. And they still happen. And yet, we have a Congress that explicitly blocks us from even collecting data on how we could potentially reduce gun deaths. How can that be? This is a political choice that we make to allow this to happen every few months in America. We collectively are answerable to those families who lose their loved ones. All right. So point being is speeches were pretty identical. Maybe not word for word, but obviously Biden's speechwriter went back to this video and took chunks of it. But so in, in this particular thing, he's calling for common sense gun control uh, legislation legislation closing the gun show loophole which personally i don't have a problem with universal background checks same thing that biden was talking about in the last um so like i said this was old article so i don't want to sit there and <laughs> talk about it but back then this was seven years ago uh cnn nbc also sung the virtues of the australian model 
even had actors like I used to be a oh, I used to like Matt Damon as an actor. He came out and talked about how Australian gun laws would should be would be great here. I haven't watched another Matt Damon movie since then. I haven't watched a lot of movies since then, I'll be honest with you. But you can't just um take one example. Like Australia Australia said this one example we're taking the gun. So um the interesting the council's laudatory select uh, section on gun control, this is an Australia policy, concludes that many suggested policy response in the wake of the Port Arthur could serve as a model for the United States. Two questions should be asked and answered. Did the post-Port Arthur laws lead to clear reduction in gun violence? And two, what would the American version of the Australian model look like? So gun control activists claim the Australian model directly resulted in a pronounced fall in the gun suicide rate and the gun homicide rate, but those claims are disputable. In August, uh, Vox's German Lopez wrote a piece that included a chart attempting to show a casual relation between light relationship between the Australian gun confiscation regime and the reduction in Australian suicide rate. When countries reduce access to guns, they saw a drop in the number of firearm suicide, Lopez wrote. I noted at a time, while the chart shows a steady decline in gun-related suicides, the reduction occurred at the same time as an overall reduction in Australian suicide rate. What's more, firearm-related suicides have been declining in Australia for nearly 10 years prior to the 96 gun uh, restriction in gun ownership. Moreover, a look at other developed countries with very strict gun laws, such as Japan and South Korea, show that lack of guns do not lead to a reduce in suicide rate. So... Where I found this was interesting, and this is where I made the equation, and I didn't, I don't think I put this on my computer, so, um, I think I wrote it down here, so let me read this. So, it's no coincidence that since then, 1996, when we saw a dramatic increase in school shootings in this country, why do you suppose that is? Are they trying to get their Port Arthur if you get enough public outrage and support to take our guns. Now, when I say that I pray to God I'm wrong, that our government would never do something like this, the history of this country says otherwise. So I found an interesting stat, and I'm going to have to break out the old phone here to, to look it up, so hopefully I don't get 26 phone calls while I'm doing that, because it always seems to happen. So... This country's been around for 250 years. So this is uh, K-12 academics, the history of school shootings in the United States. Now, I'm not going to read all these because it literally dates back to the 1700s. <laughs> July 26, 1764, there was a shooting at a school. Um, okay, so the chart, uh, like I said, 1764 is the first school shooting. And then it goes into the 1800s. So then there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve incidences in all of the 1800s. These are school shootings now, not mass shootings of of all kinds of school shootings, because that seems to get the most attention. You know, we had the mass shooting 
in uh, at Buffalo at the at the um, grocery store there, right? And it popped. It got the attention until this school shooting. Now that's all you can see on the news anymore. They're still talking about this Uvalde shooting, and a lot of it has to do with the fucked up police department and what they did or didn't do. But nonetheless, school shootings garner a hell of a lot more attention than just random shootings. I told you guys about a shooting in uh, Charlotte, or was it Charlotte? I don't, I don't, I don't even remember because I told you guys about it last Sunday or Monday, whenever it was, and you haven't heard shit since then. There was a shooting this weekend, popped a little bit on the news. It's gone away. So you're, you're, <laughs> there's shootings all the time. Most of those are with unregistered, unlicensed gun. They're stolen. They're bought from, you know, whomever. But nonetheless, so in the 1900s to 1930s, you had one, two, three. See, I told you. I told you. I told you. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Yeah, thirteen school shootings from the 30 years of from 1900 to the end of 1930 the 40s <clears throat> you had one two three four so i mean as time goes by the shootings increased now why is that is it because there's more guns or is it because there's more people probably a little bit of both but my point being is for 100 years of the 1800s there was however many i said 15 20 whatever it was and then even now it breaks it down by decades you know in the 50s it was 10 in the 60s it was uh looks like 15 in the 70s there was uh one two three four in the 80s there was one um one two three four five six seven eight 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. If I counted that right, 14. So in the 90s is when it kind of started cranking up, so to speak. From the late 18, 1980s, I'm sorry, from the late 1980s to the early 1990s, the United States saw a sharp increase in gun and gun violence in schools, according to the survey conducted by the Harvard School of Public Health. 15% said that they had carried a handgun on their person in the past 30 days, and 4% said that they had taken the handgun to school in the past year, a sharp increase from just five years earlier. By 93, the United States saw some of the most violent time in school shooting incidences. So then it goes into situations, 92, so 92. So then, whereas before it was the one in 1764, and then the however many it was in the 1800s, and then it went 1900 to 1930 and 40, 50, 60, now, it breaks it down by year. 92, 93, these were school years. So, 92, 93, 44 homicides and 55 deaths. 93, 94, so on and so forth. So, uh, according to the U.S. Department of Education, in the year of uh, the school year, 98, 99, 3,523 3, students were expelled from, from school for bringing a firearm to school. In the late 1900s, started to see a major re uh, reduction in school-related violence, but was still plagued by multiple victim shootings. And then it goes in 95. It gives you specific uh, details of different shootings. So when I say I pray to God 
that our government would never intentionally do these false flag events. These, and I, I say false flags like these things didn't happen. Obviously, there was people killed in all of these situations, whether it be Uvalde, Parkland, you know, uh, uh, Columbine, uh, whatever. I know I'm, I'm missing some, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I'm just trying to say that since the Australian gun confiscation, the numbers of shootings have increased. Now, why is that? Like I said, I pray to God. It's just coincidental. But in since I've been doing this podcast, since Chris and I have been doing this, and even though he's not on here every day, he's involved in the things I talk about. So we've gotten to a point in doing this show as we've dug into stories that there's no such thing as coincidences. What was this kid in Texas? Was it? I still ask the question, okay, you can look at different school shootings or even mass shootings in general, and you can pinpoint how the, the, the assailant came, you know, came to about all the guns. Um, now we know this kid went to a gun shop, bought these two guns within a matter of a week of each other and did what he did. And, those facts aren't being disputed. But what the question that a lot of people are not asking, now there are some people we've asked the question, I've heard on other podcasts, they've asked the question. But the news media is not talking about it. Fox, ABC, NBC, CNN, whoever. No one's asking the question of how this kid bought these guns. So you go back to, say, Columbine. And you had the two kids, Dylan, and I can't remember the kids' names offhand. If Chris was here, he'd reel them off. But... um. They had their parents' guns. Okay, the parents, blah, blah, blah. They, they didn't have the guns. Da, da, da. Okay, if you want to punish the parents for not keeping their shit locked up, cool, whatever. Um, Sandy Hook, right? And even uh, Dipshit referenced Sandy Hook saying, you know, how the guy killed his mom and took her guns. She didn't have them stored properly. Well, if I'm not mistaken, she had them stored properly. They were locked up. He wanted to get at him. She wouldn't let him. She wouldn't give him the key to the to the safe. He killed her. Okay? So, now, you can make the argument, well, she never had the guns. He wouldn't have killed her to be able to get the guns. Okay, whatever. Um, Parkland, uh, I, I, he wasn't old enough to buy a gun, so I'm, I can't recall how he got the gun. But... You start to ask these questions. This kid in Uvalde, poor as dirt, didn't have a job. How did he buy where I'm guessing upwards of $6,000 worth of equipment to do the things that he did? Are these things being staged by our government? Not, not with the, not, not that these kids or these assailants are paid by the government assassins. I'm not saying that, but are they mind fucked into doing this? Is it an MK Ultra type situation? All of these kids that are involved in these things have some sort of mental break. Hell, this kid in Uvalde. Now, of course, now all the stories come out. He's walking around with bags of dead cats, and his he allegedly asked his sister to buy, you know, a, a assault rifle before he was eighteen. Oh, she said no. But 
why why does why was none of this stuff ever talked about i mean especially in a small town like that like like i said i live in a relatively small town considering it's not compared to tampa or orlando or something like that but it's not as small as uvalde now i've lived in towns as small as uvalde and guarantee you if there was some kid walking around with a fucking duffel bag with dead cats or dead squirrels or whatever he was carrying around you would know about it (laughs) and they would have been dealt with these kids that are doing these things obviously they have an issue most normal, rational people don't do this, whether they're a child or an adult. And you have to ask your question. Now, you could be listening to me saying, well, why in the hell would our government want that? Well, I don't know. Look what happened in Australia. They took their guns away from them. And I read you a list of of countries that have done this in the history of the world and what happened to their citizens. Now, granted, the Australian government didn't kill 20 million of its people. But talk to people in Australia. Two years of COVID, they couldn't do shit. You couldn't go to Australia to visit. You couldn't leave Australia. They literally, I, I remember seeing a video of a guy who was on quarantine, happened to leave his, uh, his quarantine and was arrested. They put these people in camps. You know, we would call them FEMA camps here. I don't know what they call them in Australia, but... They, they locked these people down. It was damn near as bad as it is in China. Why is that? Because you have unarmed citizens. Why do you think the shit that happens in China happens in China? Because they're unarmed citizens. People, I'm telling you, you think that being an unarmed society is a polite society. It's not going to happen. Uh, opposed to what Obama was talking about, where um, what happens when... Uh, you know, criminals are still going to have the gun, but it's a very small thing. Well, I guarantee you, if you go through the list of mass shootings this year, so we're in June, we're almost halfway through the year, you go through a list of mass shootings. And I talked about it a couple of shows ago where I went through the list, and more than half, if probably two-thirds of them, were gang-related. So what's the chances that these gang shootings, uh, you know, corn pop went to the local gun shop and legitimately bought a gun. Guarantee you he did not. Whether he stole a gun from somebody, he bought it illegally off the streets, he, you know, whatever the case may be, guarantee you he didn't go to, you know, Guns R Us and buy a fucking AK-47. Chances are. But, um... I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on one conspiracy. It kind of goes in with this, and I have to ask the question: since we're talking about these shootings and these mass shootings, you know, what was the Buffalo shooting really about? Now, uh, we've heard the stories, and I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail, but basically, we know that, and I don't even know the shooter's name, and I'm not going to justify. Uh, this story by even saying the shooter's name because who cares but the story we were told white male 18 years old another 18 year old with the with with these guns now you can make the argument well if they were 21 blah 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 they you know if the age was 21 okay whatever my point of the age factor in this is why are these 18 year olds doing this forget about the gun 
It's the 18-year-old that's doing it. The gun isn't doing it. My gun's fine. My gun's never left this house without me. So why we focus so much on the guns in these situations, we never focus on the people. Why are these 18-year-olds doing these things? Are they put up to it? Are they, they have mental breaks? Are they being hypnotized? Are they, you know, whatever. We can talk those things. But the interesting thing about the Buffalo shooting is this. So there was one of the, one of the victims there. Well, his name was uh, Aaron Salter Jr. So Aaron Salter, he was a security guard at the Topps Friendly Market store in Buffalo. So he was killed in this mass shooting. He was a former, I believe, a former police officer. I don't know if he was with the, with the uh, Buffalo Police Department or not, but nonetheless. So for those of you that don't know, Aaron Salter was also an um, inventor. So he, he has a, and I don't know that his um, YouTube page is up still or not, but he has a YouTube, or he had a YouTube page. So describing his invention for a newly discovered energy source, Salter, just prior to his death, had been working on and speaking publicly about environmentally sustainable vehicles that have the potential to replace existing ones that rely on either internal combustion or battery-powered, so either a gas or an electric car. Salter's LinkedIn profile reveals that one of his main passions in life was coming up with a free energy transportation solution. In a YouTube video, he demonstrated how his 2010 Ford F-150 truck operating on AWS, which is an all-water hydrogen fuel system, which is based on water. So we're, so this is him saying, uh, we're going to do four experiments today with, uh, for the patent examiner, Salter and X cop said in the video, while proudly displaying his police benevolent association shirt. Uh, what this is him speaking. What my system has done is take advantage of the residue that's produced by electra, uh, electrolysis he further explained so we're going to actually start this vehicle without electrolysis uh i'm a jack of all trades and a master of none salter's video is still available on youtube reviewing below um i don't want to play it because i think it's not going to be much to it other than vision but anyway so the question here is was Aaron Salter targeted by the deep state for coming up with a free energy solution to gas and electric power vehicles. So, um, so back in 2016, Salter uploaded a post to fact, faked fact checker Facebook explaining his position at AWS Hydrogen Technologies. It mostly read that Salter was excited to have started a company believing that it was fully possible to power vehicles with water. Um, read up here in other words not only is the technology clean running on abundant virtually free water but it also helps the clean air pollutants that are already exist it became it's because this technology discovery was some believe Salter's untimely death and suspicion was he targeted by the industries that stand to lose should Salter's invention have gone mainstream I mean it's a question worth asking because this isn't the first time something like this has happened. So there, there was also a gentleman, Stanley Meyer, who had come with, 
with a water-powered motor technology right before his suddenly, strangely died while dining at a Denny's restaurant with two Belgian investors. So you have two investor or two uh, inventors, both created a hydrogen water-powered engine. Now, I read a story on uh, Aaron Salter saying that his engine on a 22-gallon tank could take his truck from New York to California. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine you pull to a freshwater? I mean, fuck a gas station. Fuck a fuel, you know, electric charging McGillicuddy, right? (laughs) All you need is 22 gallons of water. Whether you go to the grocery store and buy two twenty-two gallons, or you pull up to a fucking lake with a sump pump, you throw, <laughs> throw the sump pump in the water and <laughs> fill your tank up. Can't have that, because as much as the situation with Meyer, the rumor is, or this conspiracy is, is that he was killed, poisoned, because this was early, this was like in the seventies or eighties, if I'm not mistaken, the Meyer situation. I don't see a date here off the top of my head here. I'm trying to look. Uh, I mean, looking at the pictures, I would say it was probably in the 70s. But nonetheless, um, back then, it was all oil. It was, you know, your big oil, your Shell, your Amoco, you know, those types of um, oil companies. They can't have water power. That's not, There's no money in fucking water power, is there? And then you had this. I've also heard stories of a water power engine being patented and bought up by Exxon and put on a shelf because there's no money in that. It's interesting to know what our government, as much as they want to demonize using gas, and we need to focus on all this, so it's not even about not using gas because you would think if someone comes up with a a water-powered fucking vehicle or engine, they should be a national hero, assuming it works and whatever. But why? Because there's no money in that. The water is readily available. Okay? You have to pump oil to make gas. You have to mine lithium to make the batteries to run the fucking cars. There's money in that. There's no money in water-fueled uh, vehicles. So, let's just look at the obvious. Like I said, I don't believe in coincidences anymore. Uh, I had a couple other things I wanted to talk about, but we're getting long. So, subjects, I got some homework for you. Subjects for Wednesday's discussion. I want to get into Bilderberg 2022. So, this past week, um, they had the Bilderberg meeting. Some of you might not know what that is, and we'll go into that on Wednesday. Just a kind of a synopsis. It's basically uh, the residual meetings from the WEF, same people involved, different topics. We'll get into those. And also, I ran across a couple of stories. And this is something to make you guys think. This is, what was it back when uh, Arsenio Hall had his show, right? Things that make you go, hmm, hmm, right? Ran across, I have one, two, three different stories here asking the same question. And I'm going to ask you guys this, and then we'll talk about it on Wednesday. Is Vladimir Putin dead? Hmm, interesting, right? So we'll 
discuss those two topics and I'm sure more on Wednesday's show. So join us then, or join me then. And uh, like I said, it's Monday. It's June 6th. I said it was June 5th. It's actually June 6th. And um, so we'll have that and plus whatever happens today, tomorrow, and the next day. And uh, we'll go over all those things on the next Don't Tread on America. So please join us then. Like I said before, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, if you could please spread the word, subscribe to the show, share with your friends, give us a five-star rating. Go to our Facebook page if you're on there, uh, Twitter, DTOM underscore 1775, Don't Tread on America on Facebook. Follow us on those two entities. And if you want to subscribe to the uh, web- website, you can just Don't Tread on America.com. Other than that, guys, you guys have a great day, and I will talk to you again on Wednesday.